0: is from New Life Gillette series Wilderness Life. This week Pastor Paul presents part 3 of this series. It is so good to be here with all of you this morning. Amen. You know, we come here and we get an opportunity to worship together and so I welcome you. If this is your first time here at New Life, man, a special welcome to you. And we just love that you decided, for whatever reason, to join us here today. For those of you watching online, it is great to be with you. For the guys over at the prison and the jail, and for all of our friends there, it's just so good to be with all of you. As we continue on a, on a journey, we're talking about being in that wilderness life. Now, for those of you thinking we're going to head out to the Bighorns and go for a hike, and that's what we're talking about, no. We're talking about that imagery in the Bible that shares with us this idea of those hard parts of life. The wilderness is those places where we find ourselves in pain for whatever reason. And we've all been there. We've all found those places in our lives, those journeys. And sometimes they're short, sometimes they're long. Those places where it's just hard. And so as we look at that understanding today, I want us to deal with a question here today and wonder, can there be joy? can there be joy on the journey even when we are in the wilderness? And some of you today are really wanting to know the answer to this question because you're there, and you're in pain, and you're hurting, and you're wanting to know, is there any hope? Is there joy even there? You know, for all of us, we find ourselves in this thing called life. We find ourselves on different treks, different traveling journeys, and, you know, we find ourselves in these different times, and Some of them are really amazing. Some of them are struggles. But here's an amazing one that my family was just on here recently. Yeah, Disney. Anybody been to Disney before? One of the Disneys? There's a few of you. And for some of you, it's, it's a magical place, right? You love getting there and the excitement of it. They, let's face it, they do vacations well. If you can take the politics out of it, they, you can have a good experience there. And you can, they just do amazing things. Now, for some of us, like me, if I didn't have kids that, you know, enjoy a place like Disney, my magic place would not be Disney. Don't tell them that. Like many of you, you know, I'd probably, if I had a choice, have a cabin in the Black Hills or maybe go up and find a camper in the, the Bighorns and find a campsite up there, right? Anybody else like that? That's your magic place, right? You know, the place that you just love. You have me- memories there. You want to get back there. Now, there's some of you crazy people out there that think the beaches of Hawaii would be like a magic place, right? Any of you crazy? Yeah, you, some of you are just crazy. And you think that, that, that's a great place. But, you know, we all have these places, in our life that just are special to us. We have great memories there, and we we have exciting times of people that we connected with there. And that's as we jump into Psalm 84. The guy who writes this has that in his mind of about a special place that he has great memories, great people, and he just longs to go back there again. And we're going to jump in there as we see and find out what is so special about this place. The guy starts off in Psalm 84, verse 1, he says this. How lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord of heaven's army. Now, we don't always talk about how lovely something is, but we say we love that place. We are excited about being that place. And that's what this guy is saying as he shares this. There's this place that he just loves. It's his magical place. Well, why? What's so special about it? The dwelling place of God. And so what he's talking about is the temple in Jerusalem that the people of Israel all knew. It was just a special place because it was understood the the dwelling place of God. Now, for some of us, as we look at that, we think, wait a second, did they really believe that God like kind of lived there? that that was the dwelling place, that that's the only place that he was? And the answer is no. no. There, there were a few maybe that had their theology out of whack a little bit, but for most of them, they understood that the, that the dwelling place of God, the temple was symbolic or representative of the bigger picture of God and where he was with the people of God. For instance, King Solomon, the, the king at the time who helped build the temple, when he was praying over the temple, he prayed this. He says in 1 Kings chapter 8, But will God really live on earth? Why even the highest heavens cannot contain you? How much less this temple that I have built. But he kept praying, nevertheless, listen to my prayer and my plea, O Lord, my God, may you watch over this temple night and day, this place where you have said my name will be there. God, just help to make this place a special place. Solomon knew this was not the literal only dwelling place of God, but it was representative of the bigger picture that they understood that this was a God who wanted to be with his people and draw alongside of them into special encounters with them. So Solomon said, be with this place, God, because it's a special place. Now, did you catch what was said about this title of who this God was? This God, O Lord of heaven's armies, the psalmist said. Because he realized that this God at the temple, or that kind of there, this God was the big kahuna God. He was the God who walked them through the Red Sea to take them into the promised land. He was the God who helped cast giants out of the way so that they could get into that promised land. This was the God who was almighty, all-powerful, all-knowing, all-present, This was the God who had been faithful with them all their journey. He was compassionate, he was merciful, and he loved them unconditionally. This was the God who helped this guy to get excited about this place, this temple, where the people worshiped, where the people spent time with God, hearing the word of God read to them. This was the place that they sacrificed and had great celebrations. That's why this guy was so wound up about this dwelling place, this place where he had these great encounters with God He got so excited and wound up that he had this to say. He says, I long, yes, I faint with longing to enter the courts of the Lord. With my whole being, body and soul, I will shout joyfully to the living God. This guy was wound up about this place, about what happened at this place, so much so that he might, you ever see some of those people out there that get a little wound up about their stars that, as they, they get attracted to, like the Bieber-Fieber people. You know, they just get wacky about this. And that's what this guy is saying. He's I'm getting a little wacky because he was so excited about this place where God, it was understood that God shared special encounters with him there. And he, he was even jealous. He had a holy jealousy because there were some people that got extra time there. And he said, that, he said oh, Lord of heaven's army, there's that title again, My king and my God, what joy for those who get to live in your house. Always singing your praise. Those people who live in Jerusalem, the priests who work there, man, they're so lucky because they get to be there all the time. That place where God's people get together and have those special moments. Because here's the thing, what was the temple all about? What did it mean to this guy? Why was it so a magical place? And here, the temple was a place where people had extra special encounters with God. Now, how does this relate then to us? Because the temple, the physical temple that he was kind of thinking about, was not, it's not there anymore. But is the temple still here? And the answer is yes, because it's here in each and every one of us who say yes to Jesus, who give their lives to Christ, then God says, I'm going to build a little temple in your heart where I'm going to come by the power of the Holy Spirit and I'm going to be there with you. And I'm going to walk this faith journey together with you. So it's the image that God is with us. And so if that's the case, if God is with us, that same God, that all-powerful, all-knowing God, if he is with us, then how does that translate to this place? How do we understand that and have this understanding with us? And what does it, how does it make sense to us? Because eventually he's going to take us into that wilderness place. How does it fit there? Well, let me show you for me and my journey. Um, the Holy Spirit of God in me has helped me to have some special places in my journey where I have some, had some amazing encounters with God, just like this guy. For instance, this place here. This was the chapel at the church camp called Camp Penn, the place that I went to for about eight different years, I think, back when I was growing up as a teenager. It's actually the place where I first gave my life to Christ. And every one of those years that I went back to church camp, man, God just met me there, and the Holy Spirit did work on me and helped me to know him more. It's a place that, man, still has special emotions. The other a couple weeks ago, I saw on Facebook, one of my friends back in Pennsylvania, they were dropping their kids off at Camp Penn for a week of church camp. And all of those memories, the emotion just came roaring back into my heart. And I was reminded of those special times where I encountered the living God, how he changed my life and made my life new there. At, it's, just, it's just a chapel. It's just a church camp. But it's a special place to me Because here's why it's a special place. Because if we are willing to intentionally seek God, no matter where we are, if we're intentionally willing to seek God, God is more than willing to be found and to be known. The question is, are we willing to find those places and to be willing to be intentional in finding him? For instance, another place for me is this chair. I know, it's just an old chair, right? What could be special about an old chair? Well, this chair originally came out of the old Boffman Homestead back in the 1800s. And my, my great uncle Andrew used to sit in this chair. My dad tells me the stories of how he used to have his Bible right next to this chair. And he would regularly pull that Bible and just spend time connecting with God in this chair. And so I was so blessed to know that story when I adopted this chair into my household because it's now my temple. Not really. But it's that place where I regularly, every morning when I get up, I come to this chair and I spend time with God. I dig into His Word and I spend time in prayer and I read other books to help me to know God's heart more and more. It's just a chair, it's just wood. But man, is it special to me because the Holy Spirit of God works in me and helps me to know Him on my journey of faith. That's what this guy is trying to help us to understand. It's just a place. The temple was just a building, but it was a place where he had special encounters with God that could help him then on his journey as he lived and walked with God throughout his days. So here's your question. Where's your place? Where's your chair? Where is that place for you where you have had those opportunities to allow the Holy Spirit of God to quicken your heart, to help you to draw close to him, to know him more and more. For some of you, maybe it's here in this room, it's that place where you first heard that good news message that Jesus loves you unconditionally. And he died to give you new life. Maybe it's that special place because you have your light bulb up here representing that this is the place where you gave your life to Christ. Maybe you still have that special memory of the baptism over here where you were put under the water, told that you have died with Christ and you were raised to new life. Or maybe for you, maybe it's another place. Maybe it's your, the place where your life group meets, where you get together with a group, small group of other people who are on this journey, trying to figure out life, digging into God's word and saying, God, how do we live our life together as brothers and sisters in Christ walking the journey? Or maybe for you, it's a chair in your house. Or maybe it's a chair that you take into the bighorns and you sit around the campfire and you connect with God there. Where's your place? Because, you know, the guy as he's thinking about this place, he understands that it is so important for us to find those places where we can encounter God because, verse 5, what joy, remember that question we looked at earlier? What joy for those whose strength comes from the Lord? We get strength from the Lord as he quickens our heart as we spend time with him, and that strength gives us joy. How? How? who have set their minds on a pilgrimage to Jerusalem. Now, again, this guy is twofold. He's first thinking of those literal journeys, those trips that they would take from whatever, wherever their town is in Israel. They would make those trips to Jerusalem to find themselves at that place so they could have those great encounters with God. And those trips, for some people, they were short. Some people, they were long. But for each of them, There were moments on those trips where life was just hard. And so he's wanting us to understand that when we find ourselves on those trips, we can find strength from God if we're on those trips towards Jerusalem. How do we rearrange words a little bit and look at the Hebrew and fix them a little bit so we can better understand for us here today? How do they mean? It looks like this. Joyful are those who find strength in God. That's us, if, who are committed to a life of pilgrimage towards him. If we are committed, if we're willing to journey towards God, if we're willing to intentionally find ourselves walking with God, finding those places where we encounter God, then he says, you're gonna get strength that God's going to lift you up to live this life and that strength is just going to give you joy. I mean, you've heard it here. We've said it over and over again here at New Life that Jesus makes our lives better and he makes us better at life. That's joy-filled life. But if we're willing to be committed to a life of walking with Jesus, if we're committed to a journey with God, This guy tries to get this imagery into our hearts, reminding of these special encounters that we've hopefully had with God throughout our days. Why? Because very soon he's about ready to take us into those hard places of life, into those wilderness parts. And so he spends the first part of this psalm wanting to make sure that we remember that this Lord of heaven's army is for us, he loves us, and he's with us. So the question again, can we find joy when we enter the Valley of Weeping, because that's what he says. When they walk through the Valley of Weeping. What's the Valley of Weeping? Well, again, he's twofold. He's thinking of those literal journeys from all the different communities in Israel as they get to Jerusalem. Now, those journeys they didn't have nice trucks and cars like we did. And so they were on foot trying to get there. And those journeys many times had treacherous moments where it was just downright hard. So hard that it caused them to have those times where they just broke down in tears because of how hard those journey was. But he also re- understood that it represented our life journeys. Those times in our lives where we walk this journey of life and life just gets hard. Kind of like my journey to Disney, right? Right? Well, I mean, once we got there, it was amazing. Again, it was a magical place, but getting there, oh man. I mean, think about it. To get, to get to Disney, you first have to do all the administrative work. Oh my, figuring out where are we gonna stay? What's the plane schedule of getting there? Renting a car And and then once you figure out that, you have to look at Disney World and say, okay, you have all of these kingdoms. Which one do we go to which day? And how do you do that fast pass thing to make sure you get on the rides that you want? It is an administrative nightmare. I was so thankful that I had people in my household that love doing administration. But the problem was, once you get done with all that administration and get all of those pieces worked out and make your reservations, a month later, guess what you get in the mail? The credit card bill. Valley of Weeping, right? And then the day comes when you're going to travel there. Now, I don't know about you, but that can be interesting. Because first of all, getting out of Gillette to get to Orlando, they make you take that early flight. And I'm the only one in my family that's an early bird. And so to get my family to the airport at o dark 30, it is a valley of weeping. (laughs) And then once we get there, I don't know about you, but I have a person in my family that has strong anxiety about flying. So much anxiety that she sometimes... I mean, we left the first pile in the airport parking lots. And then once we got on the plane, we need several bags from the back of the chairs, you know, we needed one as we were getting ready to take off. We needed another one as the turbulence hit up in the air. And then the last one was when we were getting ready to descend. Can you say Valley of Weeping? Right? And that's just Disney World, people. I mean, that's something we can laugh about. But yet it's a, it's a hard journey. But yet it's not real hard, is it? Compared to some of the things that we deal with in life. I, I, th- I think back. I was just getting ready to graduate college. <laughs> and I was dating a girl. Her name was Sarah. She was a sweetheart. And uh, we were in love. And we had all these plans of what our life was going to look like moving forward. I mean, we, we were talking marriage already, and we were talking about how many kids, all those questions that, you know, that come up as we were talking about this. And now I was a little bit older than her, so I was going to graduate first and get my engineering job and start life. And then she would graduate eventually, and we would happily ever after, right? And that started. That Started on the journey. I graduated, I got a great engineering job, got my apartment, and we started living life together. She was still at college, and I would travel back to school and visit her, and it was great, man. It was just exciting. But I had some of those things that I had to make decisions on in life, and one of the ones we struggled with a little bit was when, I mean, I had an old Beater Chevy Chevette, and so I needed a new car, right? A new vehicle. Now, I was an outdoorsman, so you know, guys, what I wanted to get, right? Nice big truck. And so I started showing her pictures of what I was thinking about and everything. And she started batting her eyes at me. Oh, Paul, don't you think a car would be more practical for our family? Not really. (laughs) But she had those pretty eyes. Now, I got to be careful or else, because that was Sarah. I'm married to Karen, if you don't know that. And if I talk too much about her, then I'm going to have a valley of weeping this week. So I got a Pontiac Grand Am instead. I'm sorry, guys. Don't take my man card, okay? And it was great. It was a cool car. And and she loved driving it. When I come out to see her at college for about a month or two until that one trip that we went out there. And she said, you know what? I don't think we're right for each other anymore. My whole world was wrapped up around this girl. I mean, we, I had life planned out in detail of what it was going to look like. Have you been there? When you had that relationship, just go like this. I couldn't get out of bed for a couple days because I was so broken. And the worst part was I had to drive that stinking Pontiac Grand Am for a couple years. <sighs> so that brokenness just kept going on with me for a period of time remembering this loss in my life? I mean, we've all had relationship struggles in some way, at some level at different times. And for some of us, we've had those journeys of health issues where someone in our family just was hurting. My dad, man, he had heart issues about every two to three years as I was growing up. He would go in the hospital. My mom, literally valley of weeping, wondering, is he gonna make it through? And we would come back and we'd start life again. And then we'd hit the, get a punch in the gut again. Many of you have been there. Some of you are there right now, aren't you? For some of you, you know, you got a punch of gut when you were, when you were young. Because when you were young, you had those people that you thought you, that should be loving you and tr- that you could trust them. And they should have been pouring life into you and loving you. But for, for some of you, they abandoned you. Or maybe that instead of pouring life into you, they were pouring toxicity into you. And for some of you, you are still in that valley of weeping. Those wounds are still carrying with you, and you're still hurting. And you're wondering, where's, where's my worth? Where's my love? And then there's this thing called sin. I know. <laughs> sin is not fun, because, and we all have been there a time, or two, or three, or four, or many. And every time we find ourselves in that sinful moment where we walk away from the better life that God has for us, It brings pain into us and yes, into others as well, right? The Valley of Weeping people. For all of us, we've been there. For many of you, you're there right now. All right, so we ask the question, when we're in those valleys, we're in the wilderness life, is there joy? Can there be hope? Can there be something that help us to get out of bed in the morning and keep moving forward. Well, let's see what this guy wants to share with us. He says again, when they or we, when we walk through the valley of weeping, you ready? It will become a place of refreshing springs. What? Whoop! The autumn rains will clothe it, not with hardships, not with loneliness, not with brokenness, but with blessings. How's that sound? Yeah, I mean, where did that come from? Because all of a sudden we were in this valley, this place where it was lonely, where we had weakness and longing for someone to pull alongside of us. All of a sudden he says, no, if you are there, don't worry, there's hope. It can be turned on its head and we can find ourselves in a place of bl- blessing. How? What is he gonna share with us next to can help us to find that hope to say that, yes, there can be joy in a journey. Here's what he said, verse seven. They will continue those people who had been on that journey with God, encountering God, they will continue to grow stronger and each of them will appear before God in Jerusalem. What's he saying? Don't you remember that those times where we encountered the living God, don't you remember how God poured into your life, how he shared hope with you, how he shared joy with you, how he made you stronger for the life that's in front of you? He says, you're gonna get back there. The hope is in front of you that you are going to get back. You're not going to stay in that valley of weeping forever. But instead, we're going to get there. And at that same place, we're going to find once again the Lord of Heaven's army, the same God that was faithful before us, the same God that is going to be faithful to you again. God, turn it around, Right? And then as he continues out the psalm, he reminds us once more how amazing it is to be there. He says a single day in the courts of God is better than a thousand anywhere else. Why? Because for the Lord God is our son and our shield. He brings life, he brings protection. He gives us grace. Oh, do we need grace, right? And glory. The Lord who has a bucket load of good things at his disposal. Is he going to keep them for himself? He says, the Lord will withhold no good thing from those who do what is right. And what is the right thing to do? Find those places to encounter the living God. Find those places where God would love to pull alongside of you and to pour into you and love on you. Find those places that you intentionally are committed to a life of journey with God, and God will walk that journey with you. And then he fi- finally he reminds us who this God is. Oh, Lord of heaven's armies. It's that same God the almighty, all-knowing, all-present, the God who is faithful, loving, compassionate, merciful, the one who is willing to look at you no matter where you've been, what you've done, what you've said, who you've been with, he doesn't care. He looks at you and he says, I love you unconditionally and I'm going to die to give you new life. That's the God that he knows and he has experienced in his journey of faith. He says, what joy for those who find trust in him. Because joyful are those who find strength in God. How? Because they are committed to a life of pilgrimage towards him. Are you in the valley of weeping right now? Are you in that place where, man, it just feels like a punch in the gut that the air from this world has been taken out of you and you're wondering, how can I get out of bed tomorrow? Have you found yourself in a relationship that is broken and hurting? Have you found yourself in one of those sins that you wonder does God still love me? Where's your chair? Where's your place where you can find yourself once again and be reminded of the God who will never ever leave you? Who will never, ever forsake you. The God who is all powerful, all knowing, all present. The same God that was like that back then is the same God that is with you today. Where's your chair? Where's your life group room? Where's that place that you can find yourself with God? Holy God, Lord of heaven's armies. God, turn it around. For each and every one of us here, we have found ourselves in those valleys of weeping for so many different reasons, God. You know that. You have been there. You have longed to show us the hope that can be found. You have longed to strengthen us in those moments. You have longed to remind us of the joy that can be found in a relationship with you. God, turn it around. Remind us once more of those places where we have encountered you so that we can once more be strengthened for the day that's in front of us and to once more find that joy that you have available to us. God, turn it around so that we might once more encounter you. Thanks, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen.